Hello, and welcome to the Los Pollos Hermanos family. My name is Gustavo, but you can call me. Hi, I'm Lee. And I'm Lauren. And you're listening to Saturation Italicized on Weagle 91.1 FM. Tune in live at 9 p.m. on Tuesdays for your weekly dose of art and design. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Yo, what's good, everyone? Thank you for tuning in to WEGL 91.1 FM. You are listening to Saturation Italicized. And I'm Lee. And I'm Lauren. And today, as always... We are about to present to you some fun design, writing, architecture today. There is some architecture today. Which is new for the podcast. Um, Speaking of podcasts, be sure to check us out on Spotify tomorrow. We should have this episode uploaded. Um, But yeah, let's jump right in. Let's jump right in, guys. Wait, you forgot something. Another plug. Another plug. Also, you should check out our Instagram, which is saturation.italicized. Um, because we'll post some fun stuff on there eventually. Eventually. <laughs> All right. So first topic today, a little controversial. I've had some big opinions on it for a while now, but I thought it was about time to bring it to the podcast because I've actually had a couple of people ask me to talk about this. Um, so this is for you, Will. <laughs> but we are talking about the Just Stop Oil compa- campaign, which uh, is going on in the U.K., I, to my knowledge, there hasn't been any, um, like, references of it in the U.S. yet. But basically, Just Stop Oil is a group that aims to stop the U.K. government from creating new oil projects and overall just stop their excessive burning of fossil fuels, et cetera. Like, you know, just climate change, kind of awareness, that kind of thing. Um, but they have some very controversial tactics of trying to bring awareness to this cause. Um the most famous one being throwing different kinds of food on different famous pieces of art. Some of those artworks include um, Sunflowers by Van Gogh. Another includes a piece by Monet. And uh, I think most recently, there was a wax statue of King Charles that um, had some form of food thrown on it, maybe soup or something. I think they usually do soup. Um And I think there's been more, but those are the biggest instances of it so far. And I actually vaguely remember maybe a year ago the first incident of this happening, but I'm not entirely sure if that was another group or not. Um, Because when I was researching this, I really only saw those three being mentioned. But a lot of people have had some, like, very strong opinions on if going down this route of protests is the about is the right protest to go down because it is nonviolent, which I completely support. But there's just some inconsistencies to me yeah. about it. Like, for instance, in history, art and activism have always gone hand in hand. There's so many different movements where different forms of art, whether it is poetry, whether it is physical like paintings and artwork or or songs, have been used to help marginalized people gather their cause, you know. Mm -hmm. It hasn't been, you know, art on one side, activism on the other. They've always shared a space in my eyes. And coming from someone who grew up in an artistic community for a really long time, 
um, who's been interested in the arts, almost every artist I, I've known has been a form of an activist. Yeah. If not an activist about climate change, then an activist about civil rights or something like that. Yeah. Um, they've always gone hand in hand. You can see that a lot in our design classes. Like mm-hmm. people choose projects that have kind of a deeper meaning. Yeah. For instance, our last project, the packaging, we've already talked about so many times. Um, we had a person in there actually make gender neutral um, female hygiene products. Um, which is a form of activism, you know? So what do you think about this, Lauren, about them choosing to bring awareness to stop oil production by throwing food at artwork? I should also mention, before I pass that over, that all of the cases so far, the artwork has not been harmed. Uh, In the Van Gogh piece, the frame, which I assume was the original frame it was in, not entirely sure, the frame did get messed up. But there's always glass over the pieces, so they haven't been hurt yet. Uh, I just feel like those are famous pieces of art. And, like, it's nonviolent, but Mm -hmm. it's violent to the work, I guess. Yeah, it is violent to the work. Yeah, it's like, I don't know. I just, Mm -hmm. it's such an interesting topic. It's like I can see how art and activism relate. But I don't necessarily see the correlation of why they're throwing the food. Yeah. Like, what does Van Gogh's sunflowers have to do with this? So, from what I can understand, they're choosing to do this for a couple of reasons. Um, They've mentioned that the art is representative of how, which this is, like, you can decide if you think this is a stretch or not. But what I understood was that the art is representative of the fact that, you know, it's it's priceless. It's worth a ton of money. Mm-hmm. And there are big oil tycoons and big people in government who are making money off of uh, the burning of fossil fuels and stuff like that. Um, And by throwing the food at the art, it's representing how they have all that money, but there's people who can't afford food. But then I find that to be a bit like redundant because then they're wasting Wasting food. food. Um, And I've seen, I've seen arguments from both sides talking about this. Um, And sometimes I do feel bad about siding more with thinking, like, let's maybe not ruin priceless artwork. That's kind of, like, where I'm Yeah, that's where I stand. Maybe that's that's just because I'm an artist. But, like, when you come for Van Gogh's sunflowers, I feel a little defensive. Yes. Yeah, because Van Gogh's work, like, has touched millions of people. We're going to get to that later. We are. I saw that. I saw that. We're going to do that. So what a good coincidence. But... Um, but I've also seen people talk about like, oh, of course, when activism start stops being convenient for people, like they're they're against it. And I, I get that. I really do. But my thought process is if you want to make change about this thing, no big oil ty- tycoon cares that Van Gogh's yeah. art is being tarnished. They care that they're still making money. But the the public cares that you're ruining artwork, so you're just making it like the public very biased against your cause. Yeah. Whereas if you took the fight, I think, to literally like the doors of the people you want to stop's house and threw soup at their doors, they might be a little more responsive to it because yeah. that's their home. They they don't care about some piece of artwork, I imagine, but yeah. artists do. Artists that would potentially support this cause, you know? Yeah, but yeah. That's a good point. Uh, so far, they have stated that they will not stop this form of protest until the penalty for it is the death sentence. So they're going. Oh my god! Yeah, they're going all out. 
Um, but thus far, all of the activists who have been caught by police, which I, th- I think they're all of them, because they're also gluing themselves to the wall after they throw the food. Um, so far, fascinating. I didn't know they glued themselves. Yeah, that's a lesser known like topic that's reported mm-hmm. on about it. But they've been arrested and then released as long as they don't carry like paint or adhesives like that in public. Um, because I think there's also been times they might have thrown paint at stuff, I think. Did they throw stuff at the artwork knowing that the artwork itself wasn't going to be destroyed? Because that's another thing. I don't If you're know. throwing that at the painting and you know it's going to be damaged after, how do you do that? Like, Yeah, I think, I, I assume they have to know that there's glass over it because they've done this a couple of times now. Yeah, that's true. But my thought process as well is... If you're going to go after artwork, like if they are dead set on destroying artwork, mm-hmm. does it have to be some of the most beloved artists in history? Yeah, like, no, that's what I'm saying. Like, who brought Van Gogh in here? Yeah, Van Gogh, like, is, I've never met someone who doesn't love him. Like, even if you're not in the art, you're like, yeah, Van Gogh was a good dude. Everyone knows Van yeah. Gogh was a good dude. But, I mean, like, maybe throw some at, like, a Picasso or <laughs> something. Like, we perhaps, have a Picasso hater. I'm a Picasso hater. I'll talk about him one day on here. I'll give my reasoning for hating him. That's interesting. But, yeah, I think at the end of the day, this is just one of those topics that you decide where you align. And I, I respect the cause. I completely support, you know, supporting our planet. And, you know. Don't come for my man, Van Gogh. But, yeah, you know, maybe just, maybe I feel like this would just work better if they just worked with artists instead of against because like you are polarizing such a big group of people who like I know just would support their cause yeah but on that note I'll leave the listeners pondering a little bit but for now we're going to be listening to hold on by Alabama shakes then there will be a couple of ads and we will be right back with saturation italicized you are listening to weagle 91.1 fm what is popping the show (laughs) You are listening to Saturation Italicized on Weagle 91.1 FM. I am your host, Lee. And I'm Lauren. And now, to get off the sad destruction of artwork topic, we're going to be talking about some really good rebranding. Some of my favorite rebranding I've ever seen before, actually. We love a successful rebrand. And they're I'm, not always successful. They're in Tropicana. Um, I think this is one of the... Maybe the rebrands that made me interested in graphic design once I was already in the major, Mm -hmm. because I believe this happened our freshman year here, so like two, three years ago. Um, But we're going to be talking about the Burger King rebranding, which is crazy because it's like, it's Burger King. They rebranded in 2021. It was 2021? Yeah. Wow, I thought that happened. I thought that happened way earlier than it did. Anyways, anyways, it's crazy. Because when I think about Burger King, or when I used to think about Burger King, because I think I always think about the rebrand now. Yeah. But I thought about that really ugly King mascot that they had, mm-hmm. and I thought about their playgrounds. But yeah. I did not think about, wow, their logo looks so good, or whoa, their commercials and advertisements look amazing. But you best believe that is what I think now. <laughs> so let's talk about it. I haven't seen any of their ads now. I, I don't. I can't think of, like, a specific, like, commercial or anything I've seen. But, like, I think just in passing, I, like, I see their new sign all the time. And I know I've seen their other, like, pieces of packaging in passing before. But I can't think of a commercial right now either. But basically, Burger King had not rebranded in, like, two decades. 
So they had a big overhaul to do. They were working with the early 2000s branding that they had, which is not going to work in the 2020s. Which was very 2000s. It was it was so bad, bro, the color choices. Anyways, but they wanted to pull from their original Burger King logo, which was uh, made in 1954. Or at least that's when the company was founded. So I assume that's when the logo was made. Mm-hmm. Um, the logo itself, in my opinion, actually does give more of a 70s vibe. Yeah, I agree. Um, which I think they kind of went with that throughout the rebrand. Because the rebrand does call some of that nostalgia into play that looks very 70s yeah, to me. Yeah, for sure. So to celebrate Burger King's big leap forward and, you know, their two decades of no rebranding, the graphic design firm JKR Global introduced a face photography style that uses big, dramatic close-ups to get people to crave the food and to communicate its freshness and taste. In their own words, they wanted to create a playful illustration style that allows the brand to tell memorable stories like never before. That's so poetic. Right? And it's kind of funny to me. Um... Thinking about our projects, um, when we create a brand, you know, you have to make their history. You talk about their target audience. You talk about keywords you want to do with them. But when you look at the the project at the end, you look at the brand as a whole, you never really think about, like, like if, if someone was looking at your project, they're not going to look at it and be like, oh, they were trying to make it bright and bold. No, they're mm-hmm. just going to be like, I get this vibe from this, kind of. So much of design is vibe. It's it's literally all vibes. It's like, this is good vibe, bad vibe. Mm-hmm. But in my opinion, the Burger King rebrand is a great vibe, a wonderful vibe. So they chose to use the typeface Flame Sands, which is very natural and organic. It uh, reminds me of Cooper Standard, mm-hmm. that kind of 70s camp aesthetic. Um, which I love. It's one of my favorite design aesthetics. Um, But the typeface is like super highly stylized and very bold. And I dare say it evokes a nostalgic comfort in the viewer, which pairs perfectly with their goal of evoking their original logo. So something I found interesting is that I couldn't find what the logo of their company is, what the actual Burger King is. Mm -hmm. But this Flame Sands pairs with it like really nicely they look very very similar while not being the same font so Mm -hmm. basically like on their burger wrapping and stuff like that they have the new font the flame sands and then they have these muted greens and orange and creams and brown like the kind of colors you would see in 70s fashion yeah and it, it works really beautifully together and I actually looked up um JKR Global, mm-hmm. and they, you know, have their portfolio on their website, and they have the huge Burger King rebrand, and looking at it all together, it, it just had to be one of the most cohesive, like, fun, like, newer designs I've ever seen. Like, I'd never seen anything quite like it, even though it's pulling from aesthetics that are super popular, and it's pulling from ideas that have been done millions of times before. They paired it really nicely with these really illustrative drawings of people, Um, that were like ambiguous and bold and like they said, very in your face. Um, it made, it gave the brand like new life in my opinion, because I, I'm not going to say Burger King was bad and I'm not going to say Burger King was good, but I will say the design in my opinion paired nicely with the food, um, in the 
tins and so, and I did not like the design then. Yeah. If that's, that's a subtle uh, explanation of my thought. But I would probably go – I haven't, but I probably would go try Burger King now just because, like, it's – it also – JKR um, Global said that Burger King has, like – started this new sustainability campaign like with better ingredients um better impact on the environment which they also wanted to conjure in their new design and it does look way friendlier it looks younger it it looks looks, newer it evokes a completely different brand it's it's amazing it was a wonderful rebrand yeah it was really successful have you seen the kia rebrand oh i love the kia rebrand it's giving the same energy as the kia rebrand like just you feel like it's a completely different brand. Yes, and we have to talk about that one week because I have such strong opinions yeah, on I that rebrand. Yeah. Um, Stay tuned for a new episode talking about Kia rebrand. But it, it really is phenomenal. So definitely like next time you're driving past a Burger King, pay attention to the new sign they have up and uh, maybe follow us on Instagram and tell us your thoughts about it because I really like it. I think you will too. But for now, we are going to move it over to another song today we'll be playing sober to death by car seat headrest and then you'll be back to listening to saturation italicized on wegl 91.1 fm thanks for tuning in don't go anywhere what's good what's good what's good you're listening to saturation italicized on wegl 91.1 fm i'm lee i'm lauren and and i'm talking about architecture (laughs) and that is so freaking cool i know i had to spice it up i'm just overloaded with design yeah i mean this is still design but this different is, kind this is a different kind this is fresh for me but well i know nothing about architecture so i'm super excited to learn we're we're pulling in some art history but in Ooh. a fun dose so it's not overwhelming and it's applicable um we're talking about the influences that greek and roman architecture have had in today's society Ooh-hoo. so traces of roman influence and greek like the greek influence can be found throughout western culture um and so if you're unfamiliar with art history ancient greece they did so many cool things and a lot of the stuff that they did was kind of reinvented by the romans who made improvements to them so like the greeks came up with the columns but then the romans made them more decorative and less structural um they also made large-scale arches and aqueducts and bridges and amphitheaters and coliseums and all of that kind of stuff and that is where we can see the influence today because amphitheaters like the roman coliseum (laughs) are essentially the sports stadiums that we have today so our jordan hare stadium is the equivalent well, it's not the equivalent of the Roman Colosseum, but it's it's our little Auburn version of the Colosseum. Which is so cool. I know. It's crazy that us watching football on Saturdays like can low-key date back to Roman era. I know. That's like humans are such funny little creatures. We just we just keep on doing the same thing. Literally. It all just comes back to each other. Um I was going to say the big thing that they had an influence on is a lot of like um, like popular buildings, maybe not popular buildings in the U.S., but like government buildings, like Capitol buildings, like the Lincoln uh, Memorial is, you can directly see the correlation to the Parthenon, the Greek Parthenon. I can so see that. Yeah. They have like the Doric columns, which are just plain columns, no base, and like a really understated capital. You can see both of those. 
Um, and you can also see Roman architecture throughout the White House, and you can even see it on Auburn's camp on Auburn's campus in Catherine Cooper Cater Hall. That is that the hall with the um, quote transcribed at the top of it. I have no idea. Like really close to Foy. It is really close to Foy. Yep. It's the honors building. It's the white one with the columns. Oh, oh, I, okay. I'm thinking about a different building. Oh, but yes. Doesn't that, so cute. And that is a beautiful building. No, it, it is. And it directly relates to Greco-Roman art. And I think it's interesting. We once talked about this in my art history, but I think because all of our, like, democrat, our democratic buildings relate to that because, like, the, the Greeks were the first to create the democracy. So they created it cool. back in Athens in 5 BCE. Democracy actually comes from like two Greek words. So demos, which means people, and kratos, which means rule. So cool. I just, it's all relates back. And I just, they're, they seem so much smarter than us. <laughs> they like Greco-Roman architects. Well, we have iPhone. I, but they did Hot chip. Lie. We have iPhone, hot chip, lie. We have twerk. I have no idea what you're talking about right now. <laughs> it's, I'm it's not like even going to lie. It's like a meme. It's a, a meme. Yeah, it's a meme. Memes on the pod. <laughs> but that's really all I have to say about architecture. You can just. It's just cool. It's just cool. You can just, you can go to all of these fancy buildings in the U.S. and you can see how they relate back to many, many, many years ago. And speaking of many years ago, we're going to take a deep dive into the life of Vincent Van Gogh, who we spoke about earlier. Whoop, whoop. He is one of my favorite artists. He's a post-impressionist painter. Our favorite. One of our favorite artists. Our favorite. I love him, too. He was poor, unknown, and mentally <laughs> ill for most of his life. Me, too, I just bro. That is just how it was. And his work, it was so beautiful. It was so emotional, colorful. Like, mm-hmm. it... It just said so much. So we're going to start back to March 30th, 1853, when Vincent van Gogh was born in the Netherlands. His dad is a minister. His mom was an artist who enjoyed painting, drawing, and nature. So she definitely passed that on to her eldest son. Um, He was actually born one year, like to the day, after his parents' firstborn son, who was also named Vincent, was born, was stillborn. And so his name and birthday were already etched on a headstone, like mm. right as he was born. So you can see just the melancholic beginning that he's had in his life from the get-go. So he's the oldest of six children. He had two brothers and three sisters, but the main sibling that seemed just one of the more stable parts of his life throughout his entire life is his brother Theo, who was his confidant, his supporter, and he was also his art dealer. So Vincent, he ended up leaving school at age 15 to support his family because they didn't have a lot of money. So he got a job at an art dealership, and by this time, he was already fluent in Dutch, French, German, and English. So that's very impressive. crazy smart dude. I know, and by age 15, I can barely speak English by age 15. (laughs) Um, 
he was then transferred to a gallery in London in 1873 when he fell in love with like the English culture and he visited art galleries. He read Charles Dickens in his free time. And he also fell in love with his landlady's daughter, which caused him to propose to her. But she rejected his proposal, so he suffered a mental breakdown. <laughs> he threw away all of his books but the Bible and devoted his life to God. That's, like, kind of funny. Like, just it's a little funny crazy. that he was... He just, I like, mean, took a... Crazy, one, yeah. He took, like, a 180. No, he was, like, you reject me? Like, fine, the only person I need in my life anymore is, is Jesus Christ. Exactly. And he told customers at his work not to buy, quote-unquote, worthless art. So eventually oh he gosh. was fired. So now he, even though he grew up in a religious family, this was the first time that he seriously started devoting his life to the church. So he became a preacher at a Methodist boys school. And this is where it gets interesting. So he prepares to take the interest exam to become a minister, but he refuses to study Latin, saying it's a dead language for poor people. Oh my and he was gosh. essentially denied entrance. He was a poor person. Come on, Vincent. I mean, he just he just refused the Latin. So he moves to Brussels and becomes an artist. So he went from artist to <laughs> raging Christian back to artist. He's like so real. Like he is such a like he just fully fledged person, man. He had no formal art training, which I think is so interesting. Like mm. one of the most renowned artists had no formal training, especially at this time. If you were an artist, like. That meant you went to, like, a salon or yeah. academy, and, yeah. like, they had a whole setup of how they taught you to be an artist. Exactly. So he had no formal training. His brother, Theo, supported him financially, and his ultimately Vincent's art was, like, the one thing that kept him, kept him emotionally stable. So I also think this is funny. He, in 1886, he just moves to Paris, to Theo's house, like completely uninvited, just shows up at Theo's house and is like, this is where I'm going to live now. <laughs> so that's where he started to get the influence of Impressionist art. And that's where Vincent like really fell in love with color and light. And you can see that influence drastically changed his work into like a much more like post-Impressionist vibe. Um he, what I think is interesting is he was really passionate about his work and he argued to other artists about their own work. So I think that ultimately made him a little bit unpopular, but I, well, not, but he was also unpopular in his love life. He was interested <laughs> in girls who were very, like just troubling and problematic to him. And after two breakups, he moves to a desolate part of the Netherlands and just began, like, drawing different people and painting landscapes. He's just – I feel like he just moved from place to place. This man is an Enneagram 4, bro. I'm looking this up right now. Okay. We'll need to know. And then 1888, he moves into the Yellow House where he produces so much work. But he he is – literally the example of a starving artist he spent money on paint instead of food he was living off of coffee and bread he drank turpentine ate paint Ooh. i mean his physical well-being and emotional well-being were declining um so theo being the supportive brother that he is pays another artist to go live with vincent and watch over him after they've been living for a, together for a month they were arguing nonstop, and so the artist walks out of the house. Vincent follows him with a razor in hand. Vincent! And then hours later, Vincent goes to a brothel and offers a girl his cut-off ear and says, keep this object carefully. The next morning, the police come to his house, and he's admitted to a hospital. 
Yes. He, yeah, that sounds like a good idea yeah. for him. So then he was released within a week, but he was still just not in good spirits. He would paint in the yellow house during the day and go to the hospital at night. And then he eventually moved to an asylum where he painted the gardens and produced one of his most famous pieces, The Starry Night. Um, around this time, Theo and his wife actually have a baby boy and name him Vincent, which I think is really sweet. Mm. You can, I, after reading all this, I really do feel like Theo and Vincent were like the equivalent of soulmates. Like they were just, they seem, Vincent or Theo seemed there for Vincent when no one else and nothing else was. And you have to applaud that kind of stability and persistence. No, I mean, like, I think something we forget about you know, famous artists or, or anyone famous, like, in the past is that they were also people who had close, like, relationships with yeah. people. Like, for me, like, my sister's, like, the most important person to me in the world. And it's, like, it, it was this – and same for you. You're super close to your siblings. And yeah. I think we forget, like, Vincent also just had siblings. He also just had five other siblings. That he, that he loved dearly. I love – I love listening to music um, during the pauses in our show, which we will go to now. Um, this is Weagle, 91.1 <laughs> FM. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you, Dr. Phil. Thank you for stopping in. We'll see you next time you, you come join the show. He can't talk. He's got to go. But you're listening to Saturation Italicized on WEGL, 91.1 FM. I'm Lee. And I'm Lauren. And I was a little slow to that. <laughs> but we're going to wrap up the story on Vincent. And we're starting on a sad point. We're so, wait, re relive where we, la like, last. Okay. Where we last let off... He's in an asylum painting his beautiful works like The Starry Night. His brother, Theo, and their, his wife have a, have a baby, name him Vincent. And then sadly, on July 27, 1890, Vincent van Gogh passed away in the arms of his brother at age 37. Six months later, his brother passed, but Theo's wife remained an avid supporter of Vincent. Hmm. She collected, like, all of the work that he could find or that she could find and made it known. But what I think is crazy is Vincent's own mom had thrown away crates worth of his art. Wow. Like, could you imagine getting to see that stuff? I know. But can you like, imagine throwing never, it away? We will never get to see what I that know. artwork That's looks insane. like. And what's, what's crazy is 11 years after his death, 71 of his pieces were on display in Paris and his fame instantly grew and today he's considered one of the best artists in history he created over 2100 works including uh, uh, 860 oil plant paintings and more than 1300 watercolors drawings and sketches some of his work has sold one of his paintings irises was sold for 53.9 million dollars which is insane and then another one, a portrait that he did, was sold for $82.5 million. What's so crazy is, like, that's obviously, like, a, a bucket load full of money. That's so much. And it is still, like, it's not even close to what that stuff is worth, man. I know. Because that stuff is priceless. And it's crazy that he never saw any of that money during his life. Like, yeah, I wonder if he passed away thinking that no one liked his work. Honestly, like, I feel like his life is one of the few stories that like really make me a bit teary-eyed i know like he was such he was just so human he oh my gosh that's the perfect word for it he was so human and he was so talented and 
his work is just so expressive mm-hmm. and incredible. And like you could see a million copies of it and it will never be the yeah. Vincent Van Gogh work yeah. that his stuff is. Like it it's I just like I wanna cry thinking about the just the way like his life ended. And like honestly, like the tragedy that like befell him during his life. Yeah. It's just not fair. But I really hope, you know, but it created like, beautiful art. Yeah. And I hope he knows somewhere that he's one of the the most beloved people in history. Yeah. No. I kidding. love him. He's like he's one of the people I think if like I could have like a meal with anyone dead or alive, like I it would be Vincent Van Gogh. Yeah. That's yeah. I want to join you at that dinner. You can. You're invited. Thank you. But to br- bring the vibes a little bit back up before we leave, we once again are playing the quote identification Yay. game. Woo! What Woo. quotes do you have for us today, Lee? Today we're going to actually be listen or uh, listening to some quotes by famous musicians. We had some writers last week, musicians this week, maybe artists next week. We'll see. Again, tried to do some funny ones. Um, so let's jump right in. First quote, pop stars should not eat. Period. What? Yeah, I know. Oh I know. Pop stars should not eat. Was this A, Lady Gaga, B, Madonna, or C, Kanye West? Kanye. Is that your final answer? Uh, no. No. I don't know. I don't know. So I feel like it's something Kanye. he would say. But I also feel like it's something maybe Madonna would say. Well, you're wrong and wrong. It was Lady Gaga. What? I mean, granted, like, I could... Like, you know, with these quote sites I'm pulling from, they could be wrong, but I'm just saying. It said Lady Gaga said that. that it was crazy. probably taken out of context, too. Let's hope so. I Let's hope so. We love her. Love her. Forgive her. Love you, Lady Gaga. Okay. Two. I like Hollywood. I just like Minneapolis a little bit better. Oh. Was this A, Michael Jackson, B, Madonna, or C, Prince? Hmm. I like Hollywood. I just like Minneapolis a little bit better. I'm wondering if any of those people are from Minneapolis, and I don't know. We're going to go with Prince. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Oh, that Going was just right. a shot in the dark. It, it is Prince. I don't know if he's from Minneapolis. Um, it's interesting that he would say that. That feels like a very random uh, city to say that about. But Prince birthplace. Yep, he was born in <gasps> Minneapolis. Okay. That makes sense, okay. yeah. You learn um, something new every day. That's sweet that he loves his home hometown so much. Okay, final quote of the night. It's a good thing I was born a girl because otherwise I'd be a drag queen. Was this A, Madonna, B, Lady Gaga, or C, Dolly Parton? Mm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Dolly congratulations i knew it you you're such a, a do- you're such a dolly fan i could, I, I, I didn't think dolly. you could put her as a choice and her not be the correct answer yeah yeah the, i went between a lot of different quotes from her because she has so many good ones she's one of the funniest musicians out there go uh, go home and like look up um it might have been jimmy fallon like show or something she did some talk show where she just had the wittiest replies i have ever heard before she is just so quick on her toes she's the queen she's, she's dolly. the queen she is dolly parton 
She's the best. I love her. So you used Madonna for answer choices for all three, and none of them were Madonna? None were Madonna. But a lot of them sounded like they could have been Madonna. Yeah, that's what really threw me off. And I thought about doing a Madonna quote, too. So, you know, maybe next week. Who's to say? Okay. Well, stay tuned. Um, but now that we've finished all the topics for the week, let me update the viewers on my dog. <laughs> so you learned last week that I had a dog, right? You know, if you if we've got any weekly listeners that were just really excited to hear how uh, my ownership of a giant Great Dane has gone. Today, she got really excited when I went to take her out at one point because some people were getting off the bus and she yanked me. And she do be yanking sometimes. Like, I'll, I'll yeah. be honest, but, you know, she's sometimes she's better than others. She's just a puppy shaped like a horse. But today she yanked me and boom. My eyebrow went into the wood of our deck. Yeah, that's and not it good. it hurt so bad. She's yeah, strong. Bro. She's so strong. She's so strong. I got to get back into the gym so I can, like, handle my horse dog. Your horse dog. But uh, that's one of the long list of things she did today that she shouldn't have done. But at the end of the day... She's so freaking cute, man. She is really She's cute. She's so adorable. She's cute. I love that dog so much. She runs at you at full speed and oh, it gets so a scary. little scary, it's but so scary. otherwise, it's it's good times with Pepper. No, what's scary is sometimes she'll like I'll wake up and she's cut, just kind of like standing over me and I'm like, "Oh, like hey, horse. <laughs> hey." Well, that's all for this week, listeners, and we are so thankful you to tuned in i'm your host lee and i'm lauren and you are listening to saturation italicized on wegl 91.1 fm be sure to tune in next week we'll have some fun little topics for you to listen to have a great day bye war eagle war eagle